Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm super excited to have my friend Brittany Akers on the podcast tonight. Brittany, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm excellent. I am wonderful. We are we are sitting at 13 days left, 13 school days left until the end of the year. How close are you to the end of your school year? I am working on... Six days. Six, Six days. days. And one of those days is field day, so it's going to be a little crazy, oh. but it's going to be good. When did your school year start? Um, too early in August. I don't remember the day, but I know it was too early. <laughs> right, right. I, um, I, this is my first year uh, teaching back in Wisconsin by where I grew up after eight years in Houston. And, you know, the schools I taught at in Houston st- started like August 20th or something like that. So they're, they're about to get done as well. But my school here in Wisconsin didn't start till after Labor Day. Oh. And we just, uh, we just, we just went through one of the longest winters in the history of Wisconsin. Do you have a million snow days? We had, we had three snow days and two of them were in April. Whoa, we had like, I want to say at least 10 snow days. It was insane. You get, you, I suppose you do get some snow in Virginia, don't you? I, I keep thinking it's like farther south than it actually is. Yeah, we had a lot of snow and uh, they took away our like week long um, it was built in as a professional development week, but it was a break for the kids, but we missed so many days that they had to bring the kids back that week. So we didn't have to extend the school year. It was crazy. That sounds, that sounds crazy. We had to tack, we had to tack two days on to the end of our year. So, so I feel you there, but man, we didn't have, we didn't have 10. That must've been just bonkers. I mean, I know I, I think I know we had 10 because I know we were start all the teachers were starting to talk like, oh, my goodness, are they going to extend our school year? We can't miss any more days. No more bad weather. Just let us go. Let us go. Right. Yeah. Nice. All right. So so to get into the podcast, you know, what we're trying to do is just, you know, really be a spot and a place where teachers can still tell their stories. And, you know, what we really hope is is to inspire teachers, but also to kind of give people that are outside of teaching, you know, a better idea of what really goes on in classrooms because, you know, a lot of people we talked to have said there's just, you know, everything seems negative, but there's so many great things going on in classrooms that we really want to shine a light on those things. So if you could, just to get us started, um, could you tell the story of kind of how you became a teacher and, and where you're teaching at now? So I, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. It was just something I knew from the time I was little. When I went to college, there was no doubt in my mind that that's what I wanted to do. So I went to a Radford University, majored in elementary education. And when I graduated, I realized that I wasn't quite ready to get in the classroom. So I moved away to a beach for a couple years. I did some traveling. I traveled to Greece and Italy, did some backpacking. And then three years later, when I realized like it was time. I decided to come back to the school that I actually went to growing up, and I started as a long-term sub. I started in the end of September, and they just kept extending my long-term sub, and I ended up finishing the school year. So I basically was a long-term sub for a whole year. 
And then that was in third grade. And then they hired me on to teach fourth grade. And this is my second year teaching fourth grade. And Mm -hmm. next year I'm moving to a different school where I will continue to teach fourth grade, but I will only be teaching math and science. And I am stoked. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So what was, uh, in all your travels, um, what was your favorite place that you went to? Um, my favorite place would probably have been Santorini in Greece. It was amazing. The people were so friendly. We had such a good time. I also think the part of the reason it was my favorite is because that was where we stayed the longest out of our whole trip. So I really got a good feel of the people and the area. And it was just, it was such a great experience. Nice. All right. So this is a question we love to to ask everybody. Um, Who was your favorite teacher in your education? And why was that person your favorite teacher? So my favorite teacher was probably my kindergarten teacher. I have so many vivid memories of kindergarten. And the funny thing about that is my kindergarten teacher actually lives two blocks away from me right now, currently. And recently, my mom ran into her at the grocery store. We're talking small town up in here. She ran into her and told her I was teaching fourth grade and she was like, please tell her to come over. So I went over and I saw her and we just sat in her kitchen and talked for a couple hours and I told her what I was up to and she was sharing memories and then she brought out a picture, a, um, a note that I wrote her in kindergarten and all it said was, I love you, Brittany. And she still had it. From when I was in kindergarten, oh I thought that was the most amazing thing. That's the sweet. Oh my god, that's the sweetest thing ever. Yes. Oh my goodness. Her name was Mrs. Dove, and she was just the sweetest lady, and she's still such a gem. She is so wonderful, and so I think it's awesome that now I get to share my stories with her when she was, you know, my first teacher. That's awesome. The, uh, I, I can tell you that the small town life, like the town I grew up in in Wisconsin only has like 2000 people. So, um, my kinder, you know, we had the same PE teacher from kindergarten to sixth grade and, um, and then his name's coach Skinner. And, and then he wound up my sophomore through my senior year being our basketball coach. So I just had like such fond memories and and great memories of him. And like now kind of like you, he doesn't, I live about an hour away from where I grew up, but he lives like maybe a a block away from where my sister and my brother-in-law and their kids live. So uh, it's so fun. I've seen a bunch of time and he's actually the mayor of my hometown now. That is awesome. So and and towns are so wonderful. Okay, I do have to ask you. This is a side question. Did you see the the clip on CNN or or kind of on Facebook of the the student prank where it looked like they drove a car into the principal's office? (laughs) No, but I'm going to look that up now that you say that. Because that that was kids at my old high school. Like, and, and just to describe it, like they, they cut, they cut a car in half and then they taped the wall, like outside the principal's office with black tarp. And then they like Uh set the car, like right up against the building and, and left like 
hundreds of bricks like around the car and when you glance at it, it looks like they actually drove a car into the principal's office. Well, they are very creative. Yeah. And <laughs> I had friends say, like it was on CNN today. That is hilarious. Uh, I have my, to work My high school, little old Cumberland, Wisconsin. So, so I gotta, I gotta brag on my high school a little bit. So, but I, but I love you, to, you know, kind of back to, yeah, back, back to your point though. I, I, I do love the small town life and the fact, you know, that my high school, high school coach is, is the mayor now and is doing good things. So it's, it's a lot of fun. So, all right, here's, awesome. I yeah. love it. I mean, yeah. I work with teachers right now that, who taught me, which is crazy. But it's awesome. Yeah. See, I, I always kind of have, like, wondered what that was like because my my parents, you know, went to my high school. Like, so a bunch of the teachers that I had 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 my parents as well. So that that alone was crazy. And I saw a few of the teachers um, when I moved home this past summer, and they were like, "Hey, you know, we know we're going to have some spots in two or three years," and. They're like, if you want them, they're yours. I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can go back to small town life yet after after eight years in Houston, Texas, where it's just going a thousand miles an hour every day. A totally different world. Yeah. So, but cool. So here, here's what I'd like for you to do to kind of keep it going here. Just, I'd, I'd like for you to finish these sentences. All right. Okay. So. The hardest part of teaching is. Oh, man. There are a lot of hard parts of teaching. But it's all about your perspective. Like you can look at the hard parts, which might be, I mean, in my situation, you know, I am working with kids who are dealing with mental health issues and academic deficiencies. And, you know, I could look at those and think, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to get through this? Or you can look at it and be like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to have fun while we do it. We are going to make it happen. There are a lot of hard parts of teaching, but I think it's all in your perspective. If you think you're going to get through it, you are going to get through it. God, I love that. That's such a fantastic answer. So, all right, next one. The best part of teaching is? <sighs> the light bulb moments. When you're, oh gosh, I've been working with this student. She came in and she was struggling. She was struggling. She had anxiety. She would cry when she didn't get things. And I built a relationship with her and we worked and worked and worked. And state testing was coming up, and I was like, oh, boy, are we going to pull this off? Are we going to make it? And we both we worked together, and we worked together, and it started clicking. Like, everything, day, it all started clicking. And, you know, she took those state tests, and she passed all three. Oh, my and goodness. That, Congratulations. Oh, she is a champion. She, awesome. Woo! She happy. <laughs> Dude, that's the best. That's the best. And I, and I want to come back to what you said about, I, I guess I'll just ask it now. Do you, do you think those light bulb moments are possible 
if you don't have a good relationship with a kid, if you haven't invested in that? I think that building a relationship with kids is the most important part in education. And if you build a relationship with kids and you truly believe in them and you see their potential and you get them to believe in themselves, any kid is going to accomplish whatever it is you want them to or they want to. It's all about the relationship. You have to have a relationship with kids if you want them to become everything they're capable of. Because they need somebody who supports them. And they need somebody that they know, like, this person is in my corner. My teacher is in my corner. I'm going to go to school every day, and I know that my my teacher supports me and believes in me. Is that that relationship piece, was that explicitly taught to you like in your teacher prep program in college or is that something you just kind of have developed or or knew yourself um no that's definitely something that I have learned as I've gone through it like you know my first year I was a long-term sub I came into the classroom as the third teacher and it was the end of September I was the third teacher and I was already struggling with these kids because I didn't have a relationship with them. And so when I started my second year as a fourth grade teacher, the most important thing was that I needed to get to know my kids and build a relationship with them before I started teaching the content. Right. And I made a point to do that. You know, people are talking about these in almost any book that you read that's about education. And it is so true. You have to have a relationship with kids. Right. And I just, and, and like you said, you know, it took me a long time to, to learn that over my career, but I just worry, you know, especially with the new teachers as they come in, they're so they're bombarded with so much stuff and so much content, so much, rules and curriculum and all those things that I I really feel like the more explicit we can be as, you know, you know, podcast hosts or teachers or friends or, you know, the Instagram teacher community of being like, Hey, no, like the most important thing, no matter what is that relationship piece, because that was not, that was certainly not what I was taught. Like I had a professor in college that told us you shouldn't let your kids know anything about you. And he was so like on that that he said he didn't wear a wedding ring when he taught high school classes because he didn't want kids to know he was married. That's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. And and that was just so it was so against my experience too. And I think like, you know, you said with with your kindergarten teacher or with Coach Skinner, I think I was so blessed and so fortunate to have really great teachers that I had good with good relationships with. So I knew that part was important. Yeah, so important. And, you know, kids don't learn from people they don't like. Rita Pearson says that in her TED Talk. You know, (laughs) kids don't learn from people they don't like. And they are going to like, they're more likely to like you if they know you and who you are and you take the time to get to know them. Right. Right. All right. We're going to come back to Rita Pearson because I knew that was a question because I saw that on your on your Instagram. But all right. So a couple more to finish up. Just a statement. My most embarrassing moment as a teacher was when. Oh, my gosh, this is really embarrassing. Okay. Okay. (laughs) 
So we were, it was last year, we were having a boys versus girls competition and we were down to like the final question and it was tied up. And so I was telling them, you know, don't say the answer out loud. And one of the boys comes running to the front to tell me the answer and the, but the girls are getting really loud. So, I, and it's really intense. I'm trying to tell the girls to shh, and I'm trying to tell the boy to sit. The combination, not so great. And right as the two words combined, the boy who's running to the front to tell me the answer, he kicks the cord, which unplugs my computer to my Promethean board, and the whole board's like, and powers down. And the whole class is like, I'm like, it's okay. Accidents happen. No worries. I can plug it back in. It's all good. You know, his foot just slipped. I'm just going to plug it back in. It's all going to come up. And one of the boys in the back goes, that's not the only thing that slipped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great story. That's a fantastic like, story. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that is a fantastic story. I love that. So, all right, and one more kind of to finish up the the statement. So, um, my proudest moment as a teacher was when? Next, I'm not ready. All right. <laughs> if, if you want to, if you want to come back to that, we can't, otherwise we don't have to. So, um, okay. that one's really tough. It is. It is, but you know, we, we want to make sure that I think, I think it's super important and I know I'm not great at this, but remembering the good things I've done and like, I think we can have a tendency to beat ourselves up as teachers and yeah. you know, it comes, comes back to your perspective point. So, so let's, let's circle back to, to Rita Pearson. And if you're listening to this podcast and you are not familiar with uh, Rita Pearson's Ted talk, uh, on being a champion for kids. It's fantastic. You got to watch it. So because you had that quote on your Instagram, what do you think it means to be a champion for kids? You know, I love that TED talk. I have probably listened to it a hundred times. Like honestly, sometimes when I'm getting ready in the morning and I just don't feel like I have it in me, I turn that on and I listen to it while I'm getting ready and it gets me really fired up because I really do believe that every kid deserves a champion, and I think that being a champion for kids means that you believe in kids and you don't give up on them. You know, a champion for children goes the extra mile for every day and holds high expectations for kids and refuses to let them be anything other than their best. You know, I think a champion for children sees the potential in them and doesn't stop encouraging and guiding or teaching until those kids see it in themselves too. Right. And I, and I, and I love that, that Ted talk so much. And when she tells the story of the kid that got whatever, like two out of 20, right. Yeah. But she still put a smiley face on the paper and told him that, you know, he didn't do all bad because he had gotten two out of the 20, right? I think that's such. Yeah. Um, He's like, two out of 20 sucks all the life out of you. Plus two says I ain't all bad. <laughs> I know. That's such a fantastic. And that whole that whole program of, of nothing but educational TED Talks is is so good. I could 
I'm going to have to go through and watch it again one of these days. So, but yeah, I mean, I really, I really think, you know, like you said, not giving up on kids, but on the same token, you know, with being a champion for kids, like how does, you know, holding them accountable and, and having high standards fit into that? Um, so when I start my school year, I let my kids know that I have very high expectations for them. And if they don't meet those expectations, I do let them know there will be consequences. And I hold them to those standards academically and socially and all across the board. I have high expectations for them. And right. I think it makes them grow a lot in one year. They know yeah. what I expect. And if they don't meet those expectations, then we we work together to get there. Right, right. That's perfect. And you know, like I said, I, you know, being positive and being a champion and, and being encouraging, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you just are all positive all the time because, you know, like you said, the kids, when they don't meet the expectation, you know, whether – whether it's socially or whether it's academically or, you know, with whatever's going on, they need to realize that, you know, Hey, you didn't live up to the expectation, but here's, here's the things that we're going to continue to work on to build up to that expectation. I think that's, I think that's a really good point. So, you know, kind of continuing off of, off of kind of that point. Um, I love your Instagram handle i think it's fantastic because i'm i'm a big fan of of using the word magic for you know kind of what teachers do so what does it mean to to have elementary magic as you have on your instagram i thought for a long time what do i want my teacher insta to be and i just i I love the word magic too and i was like oh my gosh elementary magic that is definitely what it needs to be because I think that what we are doing every day as teachers, it's magical. You know, we are going into classrooms. We are, uh, they're underpaid. We don't have the things that we need and we are still making magic happen in the classroom every day. Right. Right. And I, and I love that. I think to me, magic is, is those moments that are off the cuff and they're totally kind of unscripted where you just roll with whatever's happening. And, you know, it's that ability to kind of make something out of what seems like nothing and turn those things around. And I think kids respond to that, that you're, you know, magic to me is not saying, okay, this is the lesson plan and we're going to drive through this lesson plan no matter what happens until we achieve it. It's, it's taking the moments or what, you know, the, the, the coin term is those teachable moments. Mm-hmm. So with that, you talked about, you talked about a Promethean board. Now, is that like, is that like a smart board or is that different? It is like a smart board. It's, um, I had a smart board and now I have a Promethean board and they're, they're very similar. I oh. love the Promethean board. Okay. So, so talking about that, how do you um, incorporate technologies like the Promethean board and, and other tech things and apps in, into your classes? And, and what are some of your favorite ones that you use? Um, I incorporate technology into my classroom all day, every day. 
I love technology. And the school that I'm currently in, we are one-to-one with Chromebooks. And we use D Suite for education daily. Um, are you familiar with Pear Deck? I'm not, but I was scrolling through your Instagram and I saw it on there. What is Pear, pear Deck? Pear like the fruit, right? Yes, pear like the fruit, deck. Um, so it is like you can take Google Slides and you turn it into kind of like a PowerPoint presentation, but you can ask questions and interact with your students. So you create a deck, and then when you open it onto, like I open it on the Promethean board, it puts up a code. And so kids log in, they type in the code, and then we are all in this um, deck together. So I can ask a question up on the board. It'll be on the Promethean board. It will also be on their Chromebook. And they can answer in a variety of ways. They can answer through multiple choice. They can do um, draggables where they can drag like true or false or drag something to the slide. Or they can do short answer text questions. They can do numbers. And I can see every student's screen on my Chromebook. So... I'm working on my Chromebook, looking at all of their answers on their Chromebook, and we have it projecting on the Promethean board. Does that make sense? Wow. I've. Oh, this is the best part. So I can see what they're answering, and then if I want to, I can put their answers up on the Promethean board so we can talk about who answered what and why, but it is all anonymous on the Promethean board, but on my end, I can see who answered what. So I can do assessments while we are discussing this. Like oh, I can under wow. see exactly who's getting it and who's struggling. And they can, you know, we can put their answer up there and they can say, oh, I answered it wrong. And they can, I can either lock it or I can leave it unlocked and they can change their answer. But I can still see who's struggling. Wow. And it do you have powerful. to do that? Do you have to do it with a Chromebook, or could could they do it on, say, iPads or cell phones if they had them? You can them? do it on any device. You can do it on any device that you can connect to. We just do Chromebooks because that's what we have. <laughs> nice. And I, I've heard a lot of people say that they're one-to-one -one iPad. Do you, do you think the Chromebook is better than having the one-to-one -one iPad, or, you know, kind of is it comparing apples to oranges? You know, I don't know because I've never been one-to-one -one with iPads. I've only been one-to-one -one with Chromebooks, and I love the Chromebook. Yeah. For kids, it's great for them. You yeah. Know, and the kids are using Google Docs and slides and drawings, and they're doing great things. It's, it's amazing. And then right. some of the other technologies that we're using daily – um, we're do. I have a 3D printer in my room, so we're using Tinkercad, and they're designing and creating things that we're 3D printing. Sometimes we print them, and it's a big, hot, big mess, and we have to look at it and figure out how we're going to fix it. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! It is. We're doing stop motion videos. We're doing coding. We're using robotics. We're using a lot of technology because it's helping to create problem solvers. 
And right. the students are working together and collaborating and communicating and they're using these skills that they need to have to be prepared for jobs that don't even exist yet. Right. And we're doing that through technology. Right, right. I was talking to a, a teacher named Mitchell Meehan who's um, in Pennsylvania last night and he was just saying that he, he used the phrase, the world is fluid, you know, and talking about like the real world that these kids would go into. And I mean, that's the same point that you made right there that um, we don't know what, you know, especially if you've got fourth graders, you have no idea what the jobs are going to look like in whatever it is, eight, nine, 10, 12 years when they're actually of the age to go get out and get professional jobs. Yeah. Yeah, we have no idea what these kids are going to be doing. We have to prepare them for jobs that don't exist. We have to make sure that they are problem solvers and they can work through things together with other people. Such an important skill that they have to have. Right, right. Okay, so another thing that I that I like, uh, you know, first I liked it about your, your Instagram, but obviously just having, you know, a 35-minute conversation with you is – you know, the, the motivation, the inspiration. So what are some of the things you do to keep yourself motivated, inspired, you know, find your center both in your personal life and your professional life? I am always reading. I love reading. I always have a book next to my table, next to my bedside table. And that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from. And it's where I unwind. I get lost in books. Um, if I'm really needing to get my mind right, I will go to the beach with a book, and I'll sit there all day, and I come back feeling brand new. <laughs> nice. What are what are some of the best books you've you've read? Ones ones you say four or five books that you would recommend to anyone doesn't have to be a teacher. Okay, I love The Wild Card. I love all of Ron Clark's books. I am currently reading Launch. Um, I love, what is it called? STEM Infusing the Elementary Classroom. That's a really good one that I have used a lot this year in my teaching. Um, one of the books that I have read three times I love to read it right before the beginning of school. It's called The First Days of School by, who is that by? By Harry Wong? Uh, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's just I, such a good, I mean, even though I've read it and I have bookmarked so many pages and highlight, I, I'm really bad about highlighting writing in my books. Um. But I love to flip through because it's such a good reminder of how important it is to have everything laid out and explain all rules and procedures to kids before the year, like as the year's starting, so they know exactly to what, what to expect. Love that book. Yeah, I was lucky. I, I had the book and it came with the audio version and I love the audio version because it's actually him reading it. So I feel like you really get get the chance to like hear his inflection and and all those uh, things. That's such a such a fantastic spot. So, um, kind of trying to wind it down. Be respectful. Oh, sorry. 
No, go ahead. No, (laughs) I was going to say, I have never listened to an audiobook. Ever. Really? I am always, I want to hold it. I want to flip the pages. I want to write in it. (laughs) Oh, see, I was the same way, but I just, for, I'm not the fastest reader, but not only that, like, I can focus into an audiobook so much more. I, I find when I read things in paper, like I have that moment a lot where I've where I've read like a whole page and I have no idea what's on the page. You didn't retain any of it. Yeah. And and yeah. I the thing I love about audiobooks and podcasts and that stuff is, you know, if I'm driving, you know, to my parents, which is about an hour away, or if I'm driving to see friends or I'm I'm doing those things, I can pop it in and listen to it and and get the same things out of it. So I, I get what you're saying and, and reading and listening is great either way, but I love, I love the audiobooks. Maybe I, I'll give it a shot while I'm doing all my yeah. driving. This summer. Yeah. You know, and that's, and I think the best part especially is, is either when you get a book that's narrated by the author or you get a book that's narrated by like a really good narrator. One of the best, one of the best audiobooks, best books I've ever read, um, is Creativity Inc. And it's written by Ed Catmull, the guy, one of the three founders of Pixar. Okay. And, and it's all about the journey of Pixar, you know, through business. But it's not Ed Catmull reading it, but the narrator is is one of the guys that's narrated for a bunch of or been a character in a bunch of the Pixar movies. So it's really good. I would highly recommend it. I just wrote that down. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you, so we were talking a little bit before before the podcast um, about our mutual love for Charleston. So, can you talk a little bit about you know the the move that's coming up and why you're choosing Charleston to to move the next part of your career? So, after college, I lived in the Outer Banks for three years and. I just love the beach life. It's where I go to find my center. And so I've always, I always knew I wanted to get back to a beach and it seemed like the time to start feeling it out and seeing what would happen. So I started applying and I applied to every opening in Charleston. And one of my friends, she works there and she was like, you know, I started applying and February and I didn't hear back from anybody until May and I didn't get hired till June. I was like, Oh no, I, I need to have, I need to have a plan. I can't wait till June. Um, so I applied to every opening and I ended up hearing back from one of my top choices first. So I drove down and I interviewed and it happened to be fourth grade, which I teach now. And it was, that's a wonderful, and it was so comfortable talking to the principal, and I just really felt at home there. And um, they told me how they do team teaching, which is different from where I am now. Right now, I teach all subjects, so they were saying, you know, you'll either teach math and science or language arts and history. I was like, oh wow, this sounds amazing. And so I had an interview. I asked for the school. I loved the school. And I left, and 15 minutes later, they called me and offered me the job, and it was amazing. So now I'm going to Charleston to teach wow. science. Wow. 15 minutes after you left, they called you? 
I didn't even make it back to my friend's apartment where I was staying. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this calling me? I was like, and I was on the phone with my friend. I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. So, what I want to do to kind of kind of wrap things up and put a bow on it is I want to do a couple more of the of the just the prompts. And again, if you're if you're not feeling a question, you can feel free to say next. That's fine. Sure. So, all right. So the first one is one thing I wish parents knew about teaching is. We love their kids. We spend so much time with their kids and we are invested in their kids. And when we are telling them things that maybe their kids need to work on, we're not trying to, I don't like this next. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's a good point though. I will, I will kind of, you know, it's hard with parents. Parents need to understand that we're not against them. We're with them. We want the best for their kids too. Right. Yeah. My, uh, my buddy always says, you know, we, we just wanted them to know that we're all on the same team. Right. So, and sometimes it takes a village. Right. Right. And the parent, it would be so much easier if the parents knew that, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Absolutely. So, all right. One thing I wish my students knew about teaching is, it's the greatest job in the world. It's great. I love it. I love going to school every day. I'm pumped. When I get in there, I'm playing music and I'm dancing. And it's because it is my happy place. Nice. Like, I spend so much time in the summer getting my classroom right because I spend more time there than I spend in my own home. And it's because I love it. Right. Right. That's perfect. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bad because I think you might answer the same for this one. So one thing I wish everyone knew about teaching is. I would say that it's hard. It's not all rains and butterflies and happy stories. There are hard right. days. Right. You know, there are kids that are coming in with some serious trauma and it affects the teachers too because we love these kids and we hate to see the things that they're going through. So teaching is super rewarding, but there are days when it's really hard too. Right. Right. It's hard to see kids. And it's hard to see kids deal with things that they have no control over, like things that they were just dealt in their lives. It's tough. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I feel you. Like, you know, growing up small town, you know, really good family, really good school. I moved to Houston and I, I didn't even understand, you know, that 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 world existed. You know, I it really was eye opening to me when I had a kid that wasn't doing homework and he was just like, well, you know, I've got five brothers and sisters that I got to take care of every night when I get home from football practice. And yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. The world is not as, it's not as simple as we make no. it out to be. No, I mean, there are kids that are going home and, you know, they don't have somebody at home who is taking care of them. They don't have anybody at home who is nurturing them and 
loving them. Maybe they're feeding them or, or maybe they're not. It's just hard when they come to school and they tell you what's going on at home. It's a hard part of teaching. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. So the best piece of advice I could give a teacher is? Classroom management. If you can manage a classroom, you can do extraordinary things. But if you cannot control your class, they are going to make your life very, very hard. I would say you need classroom management and you need to build relationships with your kids. You need to get to know them because when you know your kids, you can design lessons that interest them and you can build off of their interests. And then they are going to want to come to school and they are going to want to learn. And I mean, things can happen with classroom management and meaningful relationships. Do you think you can have like good classroom management with, without having those meaningful relationships? I think that everything is a lot easier if you have meaningful relationships with your kids. I think that with, it just makes everything more meaningful. Yeah. You know, the kids know that you're invested in them, that you know, you know them. And they are going to want to work for you because you've taken the time to get to know them. And they don't want to let you down. Right. Right. That's such a, that's such a good, that's such a good, like, I want to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Every, everything is easier when you have meaningful relationships. So, all right, we want to make sure I get you out of here and ask you the last couple questions. So this can be either personally or professionally. What's your proudest accomplishment to date? I think my proudest accomplishment to date is proving some people wrong education wise like people are saying you can't do this you can't do this and then doing it that's man I don't want to get super deep into it but I guess I will um so after my first year where I did my long-term sub I had to apply to be hired full-time at my school and they told me they were not hiring me because they did not think I was um, up to date on best practices. And I was devastated. You know, I had invested almost an entire year into the school and I loved the kids. And it was a tough situation that I was going, that I was put into, you know, going in at the end of September as the third teacher with this class. And then hearing that they didn't want to hire me, it was heartbreaking. I was devastated. And then uh, another teacher retired, so there was another opening. So a week later, they told me they were, in fact, going to hire me. And I was like, man, just a week ago, you're telling me that, you know, I, I wasn't good enough. And I guess that kind of lit a fire under me. I was like, I'm going to show them that I am, that I can do these things with my kids. And we went into the next year, and I was motivated and we just did everything 
that needed to be done. And my kids passed all three of their state tests. And we, I had a 95% pass rate in all three subjects. And that felt really good. <laughs> because I had kids that came to me in fourth grade and they passed the SOL. And then they came in and they passed all three. So that was a really proud accomplishment for me. That's awesome. That's a great, I'm, and I think there's a lot of, I'm sure you're not the only teacher that's ever gone through that feeling of, of you know, kind of being rejected, but I I do love the fact that you actually got to go to that school and, and to prove those people wrong. I think that's it's a great story. So before we ask you the last question, if people want to connect with you, collaborate, you know, follow you, what, what's the best place for them to do that? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Elementary Magic, and you can send me a direct message. And I, w- I love working with people. I actually work with a girl that I met at a professional development. She lives in Connecticut, and we work together all the time, and it's amazing. And I wish so badly that we were in the same school because she's phenomenal. Right. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So last last question, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here. What do you want your legacy to be? I want all my students to know that I believe in them 100%, and I want them to be able to look back when they're out of school and know, you know, Miss Akers, she believed in me and she helped me accomplish things that I didn't think I was capable of. Mm, that's a great answer. Brittany Akers, thank you so much for your, your passion and your inspiration, motivation, and, and for coming on the show with me. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun. Yes, it was. And again, if you want to follow her, great- it's other teachers yeah yeah it's I mean in this this journey for me like you know we've been doing the podcast now about a year and a half but this year we really committed to like trying to have as many guests as we could and you know like you I I just find people on Instagram and I reach out and I've probably interviewed 20 or 25 teachers and it's been such an amazing experience for me to to get to talk to so many people and um, you know just continue to get so much positive positive vibes and positive energy into me. It's been really great. So like I said, I appreciate you taking the time. It was a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much. It was great.